All right, what's up, comrades? Welcome to the Left Side of Liberty podcast, and today I have an unbelievable show for you. Uh, We're going to talk about some stuff that I usually talk about, and then a a couple of issues that I feel need to be addressed that have sort of popped up since I've been away. So, and one of those issues will come up in the double video breakdown, but the first video that I want to play for you guys is a video from Kennedy. Now, Kennedy, who I think I've mentioned on this show before, is a Fox business host, and sometimes she goes on Fox News, but she's an ANCAP, also known in America, at least, as libertarian, although, like I've said before, the real meaning of libertarian, the original meaning of libertarian, was what we now refer to as libertarian socialists. You know, we were the original libertarians. But um, anyway, she's an ANCAP, and on her show from, I think it was either last night or a couple days ago, she she went on this little, uh, little rant, if you will, about, <clears throat> sorry about that, she went on this, uh, on this rant Uh, about Bernie Sanders and uh, sort of the Scandinavian model of economics and the uh, misnomer of democratic socialism. So what I mean by that is what Bernie Sanders, uh, who she also talks about, what Bernie Sanders talks about is not democratic socialism. It's social democracy. Close uh, in terms of the wording, but the definitions are different. Social democracy is a capitalist system, and, and Kennedy even says that later on. So uh, social democracy is basically the capitalist class's way of appeasing the working class by giving them a strong social safety net. So that is what social democracy is in a nutshell. It's free market capitalism with a heavily regulated uh, welfare state. So it's, it's, sorry, it's regulated, it's regulated but largely free market capitalism with a heavy and robust welfare state. There we go. Democratic socialism is different. Democratic socialism is you have, you directly elect people to represent the interests of workers and you have workers have complete control over the means of production. So... Democratic socialism is not the same thing as social democracy, not even close. 
But nonetheless, uh, let's listen to what Kennedy has to say here. Because there's a couple points that I agree with. And I do like Kennedy a lot. I, I really do. But her economic views, the vast majority of them are just like, oh my god. So, and I do kind of like her Bernie Sanders impression that she does. But um, anyway, uh, let's see what Kennedy has to say here and then I'll uh, break it down. I'll probably do what I usually do, which is interject as we go along. So, Kennedy, take it away. has been gaining traction over the last four years since dinosaur diet communist Bernie Sanders foisted himself onto the political scene. Like other septuagenarian has-beens, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, he's got Senate fever, and only the presidency will quiet the inner screams of disappointment. The problem with Bernie's fever is the blood has permanently rushed to his nether bits as this impossible socialistic fetish leaves his brain deprived and empty. That so many free-spending hussies are crowding his turf and stealing all his great ideas only further maddens the mad professor. When asked about the crowded progressive field with so many vultures picking at his political carcass, and why does he need to run, Bernard asked, why do they need to run? Oh, snap girl. He was also asked about the daunting socialist, uh, the idea of socialism, and shot back, I think what we have to do, and I will be doing it, is to do a better job maybe in explaining what we mean by socialism, democratic socialism. Well, that doesn't soften the blow. Qualifying the power and cash grab and limiting people's economic mobility and freedom as somehow democratic. It's okay, Your Honor. It wasn't murder. It was vegan murder. Ah, when you are forced to pay for everyone's health insurance and universal basic income and higher utility bills, and when you can no longer choose what you pay your employees, when you don't have a say in what materials go into your products, is that democratic? No, that's socialist. These things in the green new era are not mere suggestions or government spitballing. They will be coercively enforced. And if you are non-compliant, you will be fine. And if you don't pay, you will go to jail. But at least that's not authoritarian. Right. When Bernie's not lying about socialism, he's going, but, but Sweden. Yes, he has a scandal obsession and thinks he could turn the U.S. into an Ikea catalog. The problem is Denmark, Sweden, and the rest of Scandinavia have turned their economies into free market engines. They tap... Okay. <clears throat> Kennedy, calm down. Calm down. Okay, so she starts off by saying, Oh, well, uh, Bernie Sanders wants socialism and... Uh, if you take away people's money and give them less uh, economic freedom and mobility, is that really democratic? But again, Kennedy, he's not an actual democratic socialist. Now, some of this is his fault because he called himself a democratic socialist, but he isn't. He's a social democrat. Again, for the billionth time on this podcast, social democracy is heavily regulated capitalism with a very robust safety net and the system is designed not to give the workers more control over the means of production. It's to give them 
it's a source of appeasement so they don't try and uprise and take control over the means of production and get rid of the capitalists. You know, that's what uh, they don't... That's what social democracy is designed to do. Appease, not take control over the means of production and give it back to the workers where it belongs. So, ironically, as Kennedy is accusing Bernie Sanders of lying about what socialism is, she's doing the same thing. She's doing the exact same thing that she's accusing Bernie of doing. That's what we call projection, folks, because Kennedy and a lot of other quote-unquote libertarians and conservatives, right-wingers, whatever, the people who are on the economic right, they basically, almost universally, say that socialism is redistribution of wealth. Uh, Kennedy and everybody else, not just Kennedy, to be fair, uh, that's not what socialism is. Have you actually read somebody like Karl Marx or Peter Kropotkin or uh, Mikhail Bakunin or Murray Bookchin? Have you read any of those guys? Benjamin Tucker? Have you read those guys? No, you haven't. You've just read what Milton Friedman and Ayn Rand had to say about what Karl Marx had to say, and you basically base your opinions off of that. But honestly, Kennedy, Marx is not the only socialist or communist economic thinker. He's not. Like I said, there's Kropotkin, there's Bakunin, and those two guys are far more influential on me than Karl Marx. Um, because I think Karl Marx was a little too authoritarian. You're right about that. So that aspect, she's right. That there's the, that the, the sort of tanky version of socialism, which I actually call the right-wing version of socialism, because uh, if you read what Lenin, for instance, had to say about leftists, he had disdain for the left. And he killed the anarchists. So, um, so it's the tanky philosophy that is bad, not actual socialism, and it's not. And she's and I feel I I fear what she's doing, and this is what a lot of right wingers do, is they conflate the two. They conflate the. Uh, Like I said, I think David Pakman, even though I don't like David Pakman, I think he did a great job uh, saying this, where the Leninist, Stalinist, Maoist model, those models were a right-wing perversion of left-wing ideas. So, and again, uh, go read what Stalin and and Lenin said and did to the anarchists. and, you know, I'm not really sure. I, I can't really speak for Mao because I'm not an expert on Mao or Maoism. But I still am not a big fan of what I know, the, the little bit that I know about it. So, and then she says, uh, getting back to Kennedy here, um, she says, well, you know, uh, these countries moved away from socialism 
and are now embracing free markets, talking about Scandinavia. Kennedy, they've always had free markets. Scandinavia has always been a free market society, okay? Always. Uh, they've never been socialist. The closest you can get to being uh, a socialist country in Scandinavia is really Norway. And even then, workers do not have a hell of a lot of control over the means of production. But that's why I'm saying that th that's basically, you know, as close as you're going to get in today's modern economic structure and the uh, world economy and all of that. So, so Kennedy, I love you, but you're wrong, my friend. You are very, very wrong. And frankly, when it comes to this topic, you just don't know what you're talking about. You know, just because you say something in a glib, loud fashion like you're doing, it doesn't mean you're correct. You know, I mean, this is the same trick. And Kyle Kalinske was right about this, that uh, the two main people that started that trend of if you're uh, and, and to be fair, sometimes it happens on the left, but it more ha it more so happens on the right, where if you don't have an argument, a real argument to counter uh, a point that somebody has made, you or you have um, uh, or you, you have a lack of substantive understanding of what you're uh, arguing against, what you do is get louder, you know? So basically the increase in the volume is meant to compensate for a lack of substance or a lack of knowledge on a particular topic. So Kennedy's not the only one that does this. And even then she doesn't really do it all that often. Yes, sometimes she can be a bit obnoxious, but she's not the worst offender. I agree with Kyle Kalinske. This started with Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly was like the king of that, where anytime he was losing a debate, anytime he didn't have an argument to counter what another person was saying, anytime he knew that he didn't have great knowledge over the, uh, the substance of an issue or on the substance of an issue, he would just turn up the volume and get really loud and aggressive. And that trend has carried on into today. Alex Jones does it all the time. Uh, Candace Owens does it a lot. Tommy Lahren, that's her whole persona. You know, again, when you don't have an argument, just get loud. That's Tommy Lahren's whole, whole shtick. Glenn Beck tends to do that. Rush Limbaugh sometimes does it. So... Just because you're loud doesn't mean that your points are that much more correct or even correct at all. So uh, let's just get through the last 30 seconds here of what Kennedy had to say. And then I uh, have another video from Fox and Friends that I'm going to show you, which connects into a larger uh, theme and something that I'm... That, that I'm actually going to cover in the forehead as well. So, but anyway, let's uh, finish uh, Kennedy's uh, little uh, rant here on Scandinavia. That's the middle class.
class. They have cost-sharing programs that dimwits in the U.S. neither grasp nor admit to, and their average GDP military expenditure is just over 1%. Denmark spends $3.8 billion a year on defense. We spend almost $700 billion. All the Swedish meatballs in the world will never make a direct comparison between Scandinavia and the U.S., mostly because the socialist boobs in this country are too afraid of the free market. And that's the memo. Okay. So that actually uh, reminded me uh, of something that she said um, that, that Kennedy said earlier. Uh, what she said... Um, let me just... Uh... Oh, right, right, right. So she says, oh, these higher taxes, they, you know, they limit economic mobility and freedom and blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, fair point. Yes, they do. But, but only for the middle class and the poor. Taxing the rich uh, is not really... Taxing the rich affects rich people much differently than it does poor people and middle class people because, again, the rich people have all the money. So uh, we, the working class, get little crumbs, but it's going to affect them way differently. So, and by the way, Kennedy, how the hell is wanting workers to have more control and more freedom over their own work. How is that limiting economic freedom? Like that's that's the antithesis of uh, of of economic freedom ironically is the quote unquote free market system. You're right. I do fear it. You know why? Because your ideology sucks. And it's not realistic. It doesn't work. Now, she could fire back at me and say, well, your ideology isn't realistic. Yes, it is. Look at the Zapatista movement in Mexico. Look at what happened in Catalonia, Spain from 1936 to 39. Free territory of Ukraine. Um, kibbutzim in Israel. You know, look at all those models. Paris Commune. Look at all those models. And yes, most of those went away after a brief period of time. But I'm talking about something to aspire to, you know. And what Kennedy wants to aspire to is historically proven to be false because historically capitalists have virtually always wanted a, uh, or not really want, but needed, I should say, needed a big centralized state to protect the ownership of the means of production from the workers. So to keep it in the hands of the capitalist class, the owner class, and to, again, protect it from the workers and basically lock up anybody who poses a threat. So, or worse, put to death anybody that poses a threat. So... So, Kennedy, I hate to break this to you, but free market capitalism is not a thing, okay? It just doesn't work. Uh, it never has and never will because, uh, again, it requires a state to protect uh, the private property from the workers, the 
control over the means of production. So it's just, like I said, I, I like Kennedy. I really do. But oftentimes she can be very glib and silly and, and not look at things objectively and through a historical or empirical lens. It's mostly, uh, ironically, as she's one of the people that accuses the left of making emotional arguments, she makes a lot of emotional arguments. And that's not a straw man. I used to watch her show all the time when I was an ANCAP. But so, so yes, she can be factual, but a lot of her arguments are based on emotions and feelings. So facts don't f care about your feelings, Kennedy, and that's the truth. All right, so the next video that I have uh, for y'all is from Fox and Friends, and it is from I uh, forget her name, but they'll say it. Uh, St uh, Steve Ducey says it, so it's Steve Ducey, and I think Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Uh, and the uh, title of the video is Jexodus encourages Jewish people to leave the Democratic Party. Oh, God. See, this whole thing with, like, the... I, I liked Brexit because that's a clever name. Brexit is... But now you're just cheapening it. Uh, like, for instance, once again, Candace Owens, uh, in her infinite wisdom and intellect wisdom and intellect um, said uh, or tried to start I should say uh, started this movement called Blexit which is basically getting blacks to vote Republican good luck with that you know good luck now to be honest with you I don't really have a problem if black people decide to vote Republican. That's their choice. They can do what they want to do. But I would encourage them, encourage them to look into the fact that both major parties, both of them, whether it be the Republicans or the Democrats, they do not have your best interests at heart. So I would, I would rather uh, in, uh, encourage blacks to uh, vote uh, or, or be registered as independents or socialists or greens, so, something like that, uh, or even libertarians, to be honest with you, because I'm a member of the Libertarian Socialist Caucus of the Libertarian Party, and you know it's a small caucus, but we can always use <laughs> we can always use more members, man. So, so yeah, so. I'm not saying that this isn't like, oh, you know, aren't blacks treated so well by the Democratic Party? No, they're not. And that's true. Candace Owens is right in, in that regard. But she's right in a different way than she's trying to be right, if that makes any sense. So, so the Republicans are not going to help either. And... By the way, same thing with Jewish people. What are you guys doing? 
vote libertarian, vote socialist, vote green, um, vote for whatever party. Just don't vote for the two major parties. We have to, or become independents, you know? It, it, that's There's no problem with that. So, and basically almost half the country, I think it's like 42 or 43% of this country is independent. They're registered independents. So get on that train, uh, you guys. Hop on that uh, very necessary. Usually bad bandwagons are bad, but in this case, bandwagons are necessary. So blacks, Jews, Muslims, Asians, start voting third party, man. And also uh, working class uh, and poor white people and Latinos as well. All, all of us need to do our part to give these third parties a bigger voice in government. That's our responsibility. Now, Kyle Kalinske will tell you that, oh, there's an institutional disadvantage and uh, uh, it's not realistic to vote, uh, to, to have a third party uh, candidate uh, or, or a third party that is a major party in the United States. Uh, or to get a uh, a candidate from a third party elected as president. Eh, I don't know about that. I mean, if more people are registered as independents or greens or libertarians or whatever, if more people knew those parties and knew what those parties were about, and uh, were educated enough about their platforms, they would probably want to go to those parties and, and, and re-register as a voter in those parties, thus making those parties grow larger, increasing membership, and with increasing membership, you can get increasing influence in the government. So I don't buy Kyle Kalinske's logic on that. So... But anyway, uh, let's uh, listen to uh, Steve Ducey, or Steve Douchey, as I like to call him, uh, and uh, Elizabeth Hasselbeck um, talk about Jexodus, and they're going to bring on like a a like millennial conservative Jew or whatever uh, to uh, explain. I, uh, what this movement is about and just straw man the Democrats and whatever. So here it is. I can't remember her name, but I think uh, Douchey is going to say it. So anyway. President Trump slamming the Democrats for failing to take tougher action against Congresswoman Ilhan Omar's anti-Semitic remarks. The Democrats have become an anti-Israel party. They've become an anti-Jewish party. And a group of Jewish millennials called Jexodus agrees. They are encouraging Jewish Americans to walk away from the Democratic Party. The group says, quote, we reject the hypocrisy, anti-Americanism, and anti-Semitism of the rising far left. Progressive Democrats and far too many old school Jewish organizations take our support for granted. Okay, stop, stop. So even before uh, this young lady starts talking... I'm going to stop right there. Okay. So the hurl, the organization that she is a part of, which 
is also called Jexodus, uh, which is Jewish Exodus, uh, uh, based on the uh, book, you know, play on words on the book of Exodus, where the Jewish people escaped oppression and slavery in Egypt. So, by the way, that is extremely disrespectful to the people thousands of years ago that were Jews and were slaves in Egypt. That is so disrespectful. And you think you're honoring these people, but no, you're cheapening what they went through. And you can't compare what Egyptian pharaohs did to the Jews uh, in Egypt to the Democratic Party in America. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Honestly, and this all relates to the Ilhan Omar controversy, which again, I'll get into in the forehead, because uh, that's something that's come about since I've been away. So are you, I don't know, I don't even know what to say. Like, are you kidding me? Like, what is wrong with you? You know, it's like, oh my God. So, okay. So they say, oh, you know, uh, the Democrats are, uh, or at least the, the far left Democrats are anti-American and anti-Semitic. What? The whole reason why they're involved in the government, you know, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all those guys, the reason why they're involved in government is because they believe that their policies, and it's true because it's proven in other countries, uh, they believe that the policies they advocate for will improve America. You can't get more pro-American than wanting to help Americans. That's the definition of, of pro-American. So they're more pro-American than the neocon idiots in the White House right now who are doing everything in their power to undermine Venezuelan sovereignty and do regime change so we can steal their oil. You know, that's not in America's best interest. I mean, it's in American corporations' best interest, but not in the interest of the people. So you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, and Rashida Tlaib, and people of that ilk, fighting for the will of the American people, and you have these right-wing, propagandistic idiots who uh, just strawman the, uh, these, these freshman Democrats. And it's insane. It, it's just unbelievable. And also, the anti-Semitism thing, okay, how many neo-Nazis vote Democrat? How many neo-Nazis have changed their party affiliation to Democrat right now? See? Can't name anything, right? Uh, there is a great documentary by Dia Khan, and Dia Khan is... She was born in... I'm going to blank now, but let me uh, research that. I was going to say Bangladesh, but I don't think that that's right.
Let me see. Oh, she's, uh, she's... Oh, okay, okay. So her mother was from Afghanistan and her father was from Pakistan and they moved to Norway. So she's Norwegian, uh, but she has parents that... So her mother was Afghani and her father was Pakistani. So there was a great documentary that Dia Khan made called white right and it was about the resurgence of anti-semitism and uh and islamophobia and neo-nazi kkk activity in the united states after the election of donald trump and one of the guys in now they call themselves the national socialist movement which is hilarious because I hate that term so much because it's just it's just so wrong. And if you understood the history uh, behind that term, you would know that Hitler used it to co-opt left wingers into his movement and you know, basically garnering support from the working class because working class people, uh, whether they like it or not, you know, whether they realize it or not are overwhelmingly left-leaning. So he knew that he had to get support from the working class. So he's like, oh, yeah, we're totally socialists. Yeah, totally. Woohoo, you know. Uh, how did that work out? Anyway, point is, Diakon interviewed several neo-Nazis and one of them, like the leader of, I think, the party as a whole, or at least one of the chapters. I can't remember. But anyway, so the leader of, they call themselves again, the NSM. The leader of the NSM is a guy named Jeff Scoop or Shoop or something like that. And he was saying that he loves Donald Trump for, um, for basically bringing their talking points into the White House. So, be honest. Does anything Donald Trump said, has anything Donald Trump has ever said, does that match up at all with what Ilhan Omar has said? Now, I don't know if Trump is, I, I, I don't think he's an anti-Semite, okay? I don't. I don't think he really, and maybe he's a bit of a racist, I don't know. Um, but I think he's more concerned about his own image than the image of others. He's more concerned about himself rather than, you know, other people. Whereas you have neo-Nazis that are like, oh, these, you know, dirty Mexican immigrants and, 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 uh, Central American immigrants coming across the border through Mexico and stealing all of our, uh, welfare and stealing all of our jobs and blah, 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 blah. Which is one of the things that the Jeff guy in Dia's film uh, said that, yeah, we, we wanted somebody to say that. We've been wanting somebody to say that for years. And these are, th he said, literally, he said this. He said, this is stuff literally right out of the NSM's playbook of talking points. So, so this guy supports 
a far right wing ideology and a far right stance on economics, on immigration, on all that, on the uh, basically severely restricting the welfare state, which is kind of nonsensical anyway because legal immigrants can't get welfare, but I don't expect this guy to know that. But anyway, um, I forgot where I was going with this, but, uh, oh, 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 so, so that's the background behind this whole Jexodus movement. I, I'm, oh my God, it's, it's hilarious. So basically Ilhan Omar tweeted out a couple of, uh, tweets. One was like, Going after APAC, uh, which is the Israel lobby in the United States. And, you know, basically she, she was saying it's all about the Benjamins, it's all about the money, you know. And some hacky right-wing idiots uh, turned that into, well, she's criticizing the Israel lobby and uh, she mentioned money in there. So, get it? Money? Jews? Anti-Semitism? We got you. You know, it's like, no, 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 that's not what she said, and you know that's not what she said. Like, for instance, Ben Shapiro, he's like, oh, you know, the left, uh, they're so quick to call out bigotry and xenophobia and, you know, and smear people and blah, 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 that they, that they disagree with, but Ben Shapiro cannot wait, he craves the opportunity to call people anti-Semites, so... Uh, he's been on this train as well. And uh, and that's not what she meant. She was talking about APAC, not Israel itself. She was talking about APAC and money and politics. She was. It was more a tweet about money and politics than it was about Israel or Jews. She didn't even mention Jews in that particular tweet. Now, the other tweet was from like 2012 or something like that or 2014. And she said something to the effect of, oh, Israel has hypnotized the world and basically misleading people about the happenings between Israel and Palestine because she's a strong supporter of Palestinian rights. And as am I. Now, I'm also in favor of Israel's right to exist, but I don't like their behavior uh that's uh, that they've i don't like the behavior that they've displayed particularly since netanyahu has gotten in power and uh so she's calling out corruption and by the way she's going after saudi arabia for this too but it's funny how it's very convenient how you don't mention that aspect of of uh ilhan omar's record on criticizing foreign governments. You just want to focus on the Israel thing and, and paint her to be an anti-Semite. Now, the Jews hypnotize, or the, sorry, the Israel, bleh, I can't talk today. Israel has hypnotized the world. Ooh, uh, that's a little, uh, that's a, uh, that is a little close to anti-Semitism. But, I wouldn't call her an anti-Semite because she said, but you got to look at the overarching point. And the fact is that the Israeli government has been lying 
to people, the far right government in Israel has been lying to the international community about the threat that Palestine poses to them. They've been hyping it up, hyping it up, hyping it up, and that therefore gives them justification for their overly aggressive actions toward the Palestinians. And spare me the whole, oh, Democrats are uh, anti-Semitic and anti-Israel. Yeah, that's yeah, anti-Israel. What are you talking about? Barack Obama gave Benjamin Netanyahu a maniac, a bloodthirsty, immoral, bigoted maniac, Iron Dome. Iron Dome shoots down uh, Palestinian rockets with ease and has killed many innocent civilians. So don't give me any of that, that utter garbage, you know? It's just, oh my God. So maybe I won't cover the uh, Ilhan Omar story because uh, I've gone over uh, it's a, so like I said it's a defense system uh, it's, a, it's an air defense system Iron Dome is uh, and you have Obama to thank for that and it became operational in 2011 when Obama was president so Democrats are not anti-Israel Ilhan Omar is not anti-Israel Rashida Tlaib is not anti-Israel Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not anti-Israel. It's just, it's a total straw man of the Democrats' position on Israel, which is overwhelmingly pro-Israel. Now, there are some criticisms of Israel, which Obama sometimes engaged in, like, oh, stop it, uh, stop that, Netanyahu, you're being very naughty. Anyway, let's continue to give you uh, money and weapons and give you Iron Dome. You know, so spare me the, oh, Israel, uh, or sorry, no, oh, you know, the, the Democrats are anti-Israel. Bullshit. Bullshit. So anyway, uh, that's the Ilhan Omar story in a nutshell. And, well, maybe I will uh, talk about the uh, Ilhan Omar thing later on, but... Uh, because she does talk about the Iraq war and its impact on the Middle East. Uh, so maybe I'll still talk about it. But um, anyway, let's listen to Steve Ducey, Elizabeth Hasselbeck, and this other clown from this Jexodus movement. Here with more on the movement is former Trump campaign staffer and Jexodus oh, here we go. spokesperson, Elizabeth Pipko. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, Jexodus means what? Um, obviously, uh, it's a play on Exodus, but um, we left Egypt and now we're leaving the Democratic Party. Why did you decide to do this and start this movement? Um, I thought it was time. Obviously, we saw a lot of anti-Israel um, policies kind of start under the Obama administration, and it got worse and worse, and clearly we've seen it. It's been plastered on our TV screens the last month. There's anti-Semitism in the Democratic Party. They can hide it. They can do whatever they want. They failed to condemn it, and now right. it's there, so it's time. Elizabeth, how much does this hurt... There's a reason why they didn't condemn anti-Semitism in the party. And to be fair, Nancy Pelosi uh, kind of did condemn it. So to, that, let's be honest here. Nancy Pelosi did kind of tepidly condemn it. But the reason why she didn't condemn it 
is because it's not there. It's not there. It doesn't exist. But of course, I wouldn't expect the truth from a Trump campaign advisor or former Trump campaign advisor, you know, or Fox News for that matter, or any corporate media network. So, oh my God, this is just infuriating. I usually try to uh, keep a relatively even keel on this podcast, but this is, it's insane. And again, she brings up the, oh, you know, uh, well, the Jews left, uh, they made an exodus uh, from Egypt and now they're leaving the Democrats. You heartless, cold idiot. You're cheapening this. Again, you're cheapening what the pharaohs did to the Jews in Egypt when you compare it to the Democrats having mild criticisms of certain lobbying groups in the United States and certain countries that are our allies. You're conflating mild criticism with enslavement? What is wrong with you? Anyway, continue. The Democratic Party, the fact that it sounded like they, we were going to have a, a, a resolution voted on in the floor, non-binding, uh, perhaps with uh, Congresswoman Omar's name on it, and then at the 11th hour, because of all the pressure from the le party's left, they wound up not naming her, and it was not about anti-Semitism, it was just generally about hate across the board. Um, I mean, the scariest part, obviously, was not the original anti-Semitism. Okay. So, Douchey was like, oh, you know, the uh, Democrats uh, had a chance to pass this resolution uh, condemning Ilhan Omar, non-binding, uh, but they uh, made it more general, like, yeah, you know, don't hate on people, basically. But again, she didn't do anything. Ilhan Omar did not do anything. And what's with this utter hypocrisy on the, because uh, it's funny, as he's, and this uh, this woman also, as they're bitching and moaning about old tweets that Ilhan Omar sent out that could only be interpreted as anti-Semitic if you do mental gymnastics, there were these old comments of Tucker Carlson calling uh, Muslims in the Middle East, um, I think it was Iraqis, yeah, because it was uh, after the Iraq War. Uh, it, was, it was at the height, basically, of the Iraq War uh, under Bush. Uh, this was like 2006, 2007, and I think one was from 2009 where he defended... Uh, Warren Jeffers, who is like a child rapist, basically. Um, but the other one was uh, from 2007, and it was him on this radio show talking about how, oh, these uh, these people in the Middle East, they're primitive, they're they're monkeys. He called them monkeys. So we're so, of course. Fox News is like, oh no, don't look at that. Don't look at that. We can't dig on people's 
past and judge them this far uh, into the future. Oh no, oh no. Nope, don't show me that. Nope, doesn't doesn't uh, support our narrative, so nope, we're not going to show that. Um, but when Ilhan Omar, when, when a tweet from her is dug up from seven years ago, which again, I agree, it could have been worded better. I totally understand that. But we're going to use that tweet and just be like, oh, anti-Semite, anti-Semite. Uh, this is totally relevant, even though it was uh, a tweet from seven years ago. Oh, anti-Semite, anti-Semite. So, total hypocrisy. Unbelievable. Anyway, <sighs> carry on. Oh, and by the way, sorry, sorry, douchey. Got to say one more thing. He was like, well, you know, now the Democrats aren't really going to uh, pass a resolution with Ilhan Omar's name on it. Good. Fuck your resolution. Fuck your res resolution uh, if it has Ilhan Omar's name on it. Because, again, she didn't do anything wrong. She did not do anything wrong other than possibly wording a seven-year-old tweet um, in a way that, again, if you do mental gymnastics and stretch it, uh, could be slightly uh, construed as anti-Semitic, but it wasn't. It wasn't. So, unbelievable. And it was the lack of leadership coming into play when they were supposed to come into play, condemn what happened, and they, they failed. So not only did the anti-Semitism get worse and worse, you know, by proving that she had supporters in her own party, but when the leadership fails to condemn that, it shows that they are a party of anti-Semitism. You know, the president said it the other day, that's what's happening, and they can't deny it anymore. But again, how many neo-Nazis and how many KKK members are registered Democrats right now? Now, I know that the right wing is going to come back at me and they're going to say, oh, well, uh, the uh, KKK uh, was basically the militant arm of the Democratic Party, which is what Dinesh D'Souza tries to argue, and uh, Prager University as well. Um, the, the, the KKK, were they were Democrats. It's like, yeah, but first of all, they were Democrats in the South, and the Southern Democrats were conservative they were right wing so i'll ask you again how many neo-nazis and how many kkk members are in the democratic party right now march 20th 2019 how many neo-nazis are in the democratic party right now how many kkk members are in the democratic party right now how many white supremacists are in the are in the Democratic Party right now? Zero. I'm sure you can find maybe well, maybe one or two, but that's that's it. You know, so give me a break. Yeah, like like uh, like Jeb Bush. Yeah, give me a break. <laughs> Smith, we were talking about this uh, attracting millennials, but is this for everyone? Do you encourage anyone who is Jewish and has voted Democratic their entire lives and now you're asking them to join your movement and do what? Vote Republican now? Um, so anyone that's Jewish, but also anyone at all that feels that they've been told not to vote according to their own conscience and beliefs. There have been so many people that told me that they were pressured into voting a different way or not voting at all or made fun of for what they value. So anyone that feels that they haven't gotten to vote. <sighs> but again, this is anecdotal. This is not empirical. 
I talked to a few people that um, that said that they were pressured uh, into voting against their own beliefs. Therefore, my movement is legitimate. Woohoo! You know, it's like what? Oh my god! You cannot take anecdotal stories and make movements out of them. You have to go with empiricism. So. Oh my god. And by the way. Oops, sorry. Yawn there for a minute. Anyway, uh, and by the way. <clears throat> as I said earlier. Again, I don't care what party people vote for, whatever, but I would encourage everybody, including the Jewish community, vote libertarian, vote socialist, vote green. Become independent. Whatever. But don't buy into this false dichotomy of, well, you either got to be Republican or Democrat. No. Fuck both parties. Honestly. Both parties are shitty. Both parties result in less freedom. Both parties result in more economic despair for the working class. Both parties are absolutely not in the... They're not acting in the best interests of working people. They're acting in the interests of elites like they always have been. Even James Madison in the Constitution said that the uh, tyranny of the majority, or, or sorry, the, uh, the a small minority is needed to protect from the tyranny of the majority. He called the working class people, the, the mass working class, tyranny. No, James. We want freedom. It's you that wants tyranny. You just think it's tyranny because you would have gotten your elite ass handed to you uh, and we would have stolen... Stolen. It was stolen from us. We would have taken back the means of production away from elitist assholes like you. So... Give me a break. According Again. to what they believe in, I think it's time for that person to stand up and do you know, what needs to be done in 2020. Well, in uh, 2016, let's take a look at the results. Hillary Clinton wound up with 71% of the Jewish vote, and Donald Trump got about a quarter. Do you see that changing in the next election, the uh, ratio between the Republican and the Democrat? Um, so we're obviously very realistic, but we're also optimistic. Under uh, President Trump, literally anything can happen, but um, also we know that the Democrats are currently helping us out. I mean, there's they're proving our point. You know, they don't care about Israel. They don't care about the Jewish people. <laughs> oh, my God. As she's... This is a person that works, again, for somebody who doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself. And to be fair, most of the uh, Democrats and Republicans don't care about anybody but themselves either. But in this context, she's basically saying, oh, you know, uh, Donald Trump cares so much about Israel and blah, 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 blah. It's like probably for business reasons, not for, not because he loves Israel so much and reveres them and blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. He's used them. He, he is using Israel um, as a cynical political pawn to get reelected uh, because he knew that 
fundamentalist Christians in this country uh, and some fundamentalist Jews wanted the U.S. Embassy to be moved from uh, Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And Trump did that. And he did it to appease the fundamentalists in both religions. So, and also, again, I come back with Iron Dome. You know, that 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 is the greatest gift Obama could have given them. Great for all the wrong reasons. But you cannot say the Democrats are anti-Israel or anti-Semitic. That's not true. Not true at all. And Hillary Clinton, for instance, Hillary Clinton loves Israel. Loves Israel. Um, it's just... Oh, God. Oh. And even Bernie Sanders is not that great on the issue of Israel and Palestine. So... Uh, in terms of, you know, he's like, well, we got to be even handed with our uh, Israel-Palestinian policy. It's like, but we've treated the Israelis so much better for so long that the Palestinians have been left behind. So let's just, let's hold off on funding and arming Israel any further and let's focus our efforts on improving the Palestinian way of life and economy so these attacks that these horrific, admittedly horrific attacks that Hamas does, so that happens less and less. And let's give Palestinian workers, by the way, uh, this is my position, let's give them control over their own work and their own lives so we can rid Palestine of Hamas and make Palestine a true workers democracy so and the same goes for israel get netanyahu out of there he's a corrupt asshole his own police department or his own uh police officials say that he is but they're too afraid to arrest him and 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 put him away lock him away and throw away the key um so anyway let's get to the last minute here and the Jewish people need to show them that if they don't support us, we're not going to support them. So we know, obviously, that the Jews have overwhelmingly supported Democrats, but that doesn't mean that the Jewish vote should be discounted. Mm -hmm. Why is that when you hear the president talk about his pro-Israel stance and meeting with Benjamin Netanyahu? Um, I have no idea. Honestly, I've never understood it. Um, after the president moved the embassy, which so many presidents, including President Obama and Bush, uh, promised to do that, I thought that there would be a shift. Obviously, I thought people would at least understand, like Jewish friends of mine would understand why I supported him, who didn't right. at first. And they didn't. They never changed their mind. They stuck to the narrative. President Trump is bad, and they refused to what change What are they that. saying now? Same thing. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to change. Your group, uh, Jexodus, has been in uh, business for uh, two weeks. I understand you've got big events planned for New York and Florida, right? Yeah, so that's our official launch. will be April in New York and Florida, but we're hoping to go. Okay, so uh, here she's just talking about the launch dates and blah, 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 blah. So we're done with that video, but I want to address some of the last things that she said. So Steve Ducey asked her... Um, so has this changed people's minds about President Trump? Has like his uh, his um, moving the embassy to Jerusalem 
has that changed uh, a lot of your friends' minds? And she said, no, uh, changed about President Trump. And as if that's that one issue is enough to change your support for a president. So what I would say to this to this girl is, look, there are other issues besides where the U.S. embassy uh, in Israel is. Let's see, there's the economy, which doing great for rich people, but for working class people, and which includes working class Jews and poor Jews. I'm not really sure how how many. Uh, Uh, I'm not sure the how many Jews make up the uh, poor population in America, um, but um, but at least for working class Jews, their taxes are going up after a decade. So maybe they're angry about that. Elizabeth or whatever her name is. Maybe they're angry about that. Uh, maybe they're angry that Trump is... Maybe they're angry that he increased drone strikes 432%, and that's why they don't like him. But no, it must just be because, oh, the Democrats have totally blinded them and blah, 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 blah. Unbelievable. All right, well, let's get to the... Uh, forehead here the first thing i want to discuss is <clears throat> a story from the wsws and it's about the, the the headline is uaw corruption scandal expands to vice president norwood norwood jewel who rammed through 2015 sellout so it says Norwood Jewell, who led the United Auto Workers contract negotiations with Fiat Chrysler in 2015, was indicted by federal prosecutors Monday for taking tens of thousands of dollars in bribes from FCA executives. Jewell is the highest UAW executive indicted so far in the ongoing federal investigation of the corruption scheme which involved paying millions of dollars to UAW officials to sign and enforce pro-company contracts that gutted the jobs, wages, and conditions of auto workers. Four other UAW officials have pled guilty to have pleaded guilty to charges stemming from the corruption probe. The indictment completely exposes the earlier claims by former UAW President Dennis Williams that the corruption scandal was unrelated to the collective bargaining agreements rammed through by the UAW in 2015 over mass opposition. The indictment of Jewell proves that the 2015 contracts are illegitimate and must be declared null and void. On what legal basis can a contract negotiated by individuals receiving bribes from the companies, uh, bribes from these companies, be considered valid and binding? The corruption scandal. Or I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Uh, the corruption scandal is an exposure not only of Jewel, but of the UAW itself and all of the official trade unions 
which serve as instruments of corporate management and the state. It underscores the urgent need for auto workers and all workers to form independent organizations of struggle, rank and file factory committees to uh, to prepare and plan a fight back. There we go. Uh, involved in the corruption scandal is not just one contract. Jules' predecessor as the head as head of UAW's Chrysler department, General Holyfield and Holyfield's wife were the first to be indicted for taking bribes between 2007 and 2011. The bribes were designed, as one F- FCA executive put it, to keep union officials fat, dumb, and happy. The deals Holyfield negotiated, include, including during Obama's restructuring of Chrysler and GM in 2009, established the hated two-tier wage system, abolished the eight-hour eight hour workday, stripped retirees of health benefits, and destroyed other gains. Uh, I think that's uh, about enough. So, the reason why I decided to cover this story is because it perfectly highlights why we need worker cooperatives instead of unions. Because unions are just government appointed and sometimes, like they're saying in this case, sometimes even corporate appointed bureaucrats. So they just do the bidding of the state and corporations and they really don't have the best interests of the workers at heart. And you, know, you can see from uh, the last part I just read to you, they stripped retirement benefits. They lengthened the work uh, the workday. They uh, have a two-tier wage system, which I'm not really sure what that means, but I think it means some people were paid higher wages than others. It's like, what are you doing? You know, you're supposed to be a union. You're supposed to fight for the rights of workers, and you're not doing that. And I'm glad that these UAW assholes got caught and uh, are paying the price for deceiving working people and taking advantage of them. The uh, And I also agree with um, the fact that uh, auto workers and all workers need to form independent organizations of struggle, rank and file uh, factory committees to prepare and plan a fight back. Yes, I agree with that. Um, that's absolutely true. And this just offers proof, which is the point of this article, that these labor unions and you know the trade unions or whatever, they're not going to help working people. That's not in their best interests. So, also, there is... This is also from the WSWS, and uh, it says, uh, this is by John Braddock and Tom Peters, and it says, warnings of New Zealand neo-Nazi attack were ignored. And so obviously there was a, a terrorist attack where 50 Muslims were killed 
uh, in Christchurch, New Zealand, by an Australian-born uh, terrorist <laughs> named Britton Tarrant or Tarrant or whatever. Um, and basically, the argue the the article argues that uh, he, Tarrant is painted as this like outsider, lone wolf kind of guy, but the first of all there's a lot of um ways in which social media plays a role in the spreading of this ideology and the uh and getting a message of hate across so i can see their point and also they go into the fact that there's this uh, New Zealand First Party, which is openly anti-immigrant and anti, uh, it's it's xenophobic, anti-immigrant, and they're act and they have actually formed a coalition with the New Zealand Labour Party. So, Labour, uh, you're you're letting these guys into your into your party that have a history of being anti-immigrant and anti-multiculturalism and you know xenophobic it's like oh my god and um so basically they talk about how the new zealand uh gun control system uh didn't stop the tarrant guy or the australian system didn't stop him from getting a uh, a gun when they had enough information to where they could have done a further background check on him uh and uh this um, there is some of this article where i'm not totally in agreement with where um there's where basically the uh the New Zealand and Australian police uh, have been warned in recent times of the danger of uh, of xenophobia and Islamophobia on the rise in their respective countries. And they just ignored it. But then it goes on to say like that basically the intelligence agencies in in Australia and New Zealand sorry about that the the intelligence agencies in Australia and New Zealand didn't act on uh trying to stop Tarrant because of uh because they're sympathetic to the uh far right sort of xenophobic ideology or whatever. And it's like, eh, I'm not really sure about that. Maybe, but I'm, I, I don't really see a lot of evidence for that. So that's not really a fair thing to say. But I do think that, that the, the intelligence agencies and the police were at least incompetent. You could say that, but I don't think that they sympathize with this guy. I, I don't really know about that. Maybe some do, but the organization as a whole, eh, I don't know about that. So anyway, moving on now. 
So this is from The Hill, and it's about Ilhan Omar, and uh, it's... uh, it says, uh, Omar slams uh, U.S. war in Iraq on the anniversary of the invasion. So, it says, Ilhan Omar issued a barrage of criticism about the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq in 2003 on Wednesday, which marked the 16th anniversary of the start of one of America's longest-running armed conflicts. In this series of tweets... The Minnesota Congresswoman labeled George W. Bush the George W. Bush administration's invasion of Iraq illegal and called for those involved in the explanation involved in the explanation and lead up to the war to be held accountable. Sixteen years ago, the U.S. illegally invaded Iraq, leaving a trail of destruction and lives lost, uh, and uh, four thousand four hundred ninety-six. U.S. troops lost their lives and over 100,000 Iraqi civilians were killed. And we must hold all or we must hold accountable those who repeatedly lied in the run up to the war. She added, setting specific statements about alleged weapons of mass destruction and biological weapons, none of which were ever found uh, that they were made up by President George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. Uh, and then they just go on to have some of her tweets. And then they go on. So she, they clarify that she's on the Foreign Affairs Committee uh, in, the, uh, in, in the House and uh, is very critical of U.S. foreign policy in the Middle East. And uh, she's... And it just goes on to say that she's been criticized for... Uh, saying that um, APAC and other uh, organizations like that have a tremendous uh, impact on the way our country functions. So I also did this to prove that Ilhan Omar is not just critical of Israel, she I've heard her say things about critical things about Saudi Arabia. I've heard her uh, say things about this country, which, of course, in this country, there's a lot of people that think you can't criticize this country or else you're and if you do, you're anti-American. And uh, Ilhan Omar is not anti-American and she's not anti-Israel either. Uh, she just wants to stop the influence of money in politics, which includes giving money and weapons to Saudi Arabia and Israel, our top two allies. And we have Saudi and Israeli lobbyists that lobby the government to do their to do those countries' biddings. That is what she's talking about. So it's not fair to say that she's some anti-Semite. That's just bullshit. And then the last story I have for you guys is from Reason and Matt Welch, who's, I think, the editor-in-chief. And I actually like Matt Welch. I've heard him uh, talk on Kennedy's show, for instance. Um, I've, I've read a lot of his stuff on Reason. I think he's, he's pretty good. But 
In this one, he's a little... Eh. <laughs> so, this says, Beto O'Rourke in 2012, we cannot continue to spend ourselves into ruin. And since I'm running out of time, because I have to be somewhere else, I'll basically summarize the article for you. So, Beto O'Rourke... Um, is one of the nominees for president in 2020 uh, on the Democratic side. And uh, basically, um, he accuses... So first he goes after Bernie Sanders about being for textbook socialism, which again, no, uh, he's a social Democrat. And uh, he says, well, Bernie uh, uh, wanted uh, public ownership of the major means of production. Well, first of all, public ownership is not the same thing as worker ownership. And um, major means of production does not mean, ma does not mean all of the means of production. So that's not really socialist. So he goes after Bernie. Basically, he's, I think he's trying to basically say that Beto O'Rourke and Bernie Sanders are similar. And that is absolutely false. Because uh, the whole point of this article is in 2012, um, he said that we can't... Uh, yeah, we have to stop piling on debt, basically. And uh, yeah, da, 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 democratic socialism, da, 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 straw man, straw man. Um, so basically, uh, Beto O'Rourke is not a socialist in any way, shape, or form. And by the way, Matt Welch, he agrees with you on things like Wall Street. Beto wants Wall Street deregulation, just like almost every other Democrat. Um, he's with you on Wall Street. He's with you on uh, on capitalism. He's pretending like he's a Bernie-type social Democrat, but he's not. Yes, he took no corporate PAC money. Great. But he's massively corrupt in other ways, including taking hundreds of thousands of dollars from the fossil fuel industry. So Beto O'Rourke is not a socialist at all. No way. It's just, it's insanity, man. It's, it's just, ugh. This is so frustrating that where you have people that don't know what they're talking about, about political ideologies, and then they just pretend as if they're ask that, experts. Uh, anyway, uh, like I said, I'm uh, running a bit short on time, so I'll end the podcast right now, but uh, that's all for that I've got for you today. I might try to do one more podcast before I leave uh, to go back to school uh, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see 
So anyway, in the meantime, uh, enjoy this podcast. Um, you, again, you can find me on Anchor. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on the Apple Podcasts app. You can find me on Stitcher um, and various other <laughs> platforms. So anyway, uh, that's all for me today. And I will see you guys next time here on the left side of Liberty Podcast.